The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Very active starting a business. It takes a lot of gumption. I really want to dig in deep, figure out what makes these people tick, how they are leveraging their success to make the rest of the world a better place. You know, maybe have a couple of giggles along the way. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Kilroy Report, the podcast that shares the stories of entrepreneurs and agency owners doing extraordinary things in an ordinary world. Now, here's your host, Tim Kilroy. Hey, everybody, it's Tim, and welcome to the Kilroy Report, where we talk to extraordinary people building extraordinary businesses in completely ordinary times, except for the last two years, which are totally completely not ordinary. But anyways, I'm delighted to be here with Steve Gordon from Unstoppable CEO. Steve is is uh, an author and a, a, a brand builder and a consultant that helps business owners create more opportunity by, frankly, letting them strut their stuff in a way that's meaningful to the market. Welcome, Steve. Did I, did I, miss, uh, did I miss anything important? I, 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 I didn't mention they were terribly handsome. <laughs> So, 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 so we, we've already established that, that there's very little truth going to be told on this podcast. Good to be here, so, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, so, so tell me building authority is something that, that frankly, every founder needs to do. And also for businesses that are a little bit bigger, build letting your employees build authority too is, is crucially important, uh, especially, especially when you've got sort of A plus players and you need, and you want to show them off too. But how did you get into this? And how did, what was your personal experience that said like, oh, well, if, if I just say more smart stuff out into the world and prove my value, people, people hire me more easily and pay me more money. How did, how did that transpire? Well, so when I got out of college in 1994, which was a long time ago, I, I went got to work out of college for. In 1990, so it's okay. So like then then we're we're both old. So I I, I went to work for a consulting firm and kind of got pulled under the wing of the founder, and probably within two or three months of getting there, he pulled me along to a conference where he was giving a talk, and forced me to give about half of the talk. And I was so nervous. I was shaking. I was sweating. If you had been in the audience, you would have been like, God, I hope this guy never speaks again. But out of that talk over the following, I don't know, four or five years, we probably did $6 million worth of business from people who were in that room. And the the thing that I learned out of that was, I mean, we can talk about authority all you want, but for me, it's it's really about using your ideas to sell for you because they do a far better job than you going out and trying to sell yourself. And, and that's really what I did in that presentation. That's what we did subsequently. So I started speaking and that created authority as I left that, that business after running it for about a decade and started our current firm. I wrote a book and found that that elevates it even further. And so having all of of these ways to take your really best ideas and package them up and, and allow them to kind of go out in the marketplace and do the hard work of selling for you, to me is is the reason to do this. And 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 in the process, that's going to build great authority. But it's it's basically the late the lazy sales guys approach to 
getting clients. I want my ideas to go out and do that. And what I think most people do is they, they keep all the best ideas a big secret. They don't tell anybody except they're paying clients and, and they end up having a hard time attracting clients as a result. Right. Well, I think in, in, in so many respects, I think the, the, while the value of ideas is incalculable, incalculable, sharing ideas is invaluable. Right. I think that's, and by the way, like I'm a marketing genius, you can steal that. Like I, I may have trademarked that just before, as I was thinking about this show, but, but I, I, when I'm working with my, with my agency clients, a lot of them are very afraid to share whatever the, the, the technique or the way of thinking that they, that they use to optimize campaigns and whatnot. And it's because they're they're afraid. They're totally afraid that someone is going to get is going to steal their thunder, like steal their vitality, just by hearing an idea. And I really think if if your business is damaged by sharing an idea, you don't really have a very good business. Yeah, yeah, you know, very much so. I I think this this is the biggest pushback I get, or the biggest worry. So when we work with a client to help them write a book and take their ideas, the number one concern is how much should I give away? What if I give away too much? And my, my first response to that, which I think is probably the most important is that do-it-yourselfers aren't your clients. If you could give somebody the how-to manual and they wanted to go do it themselves, so what? They weren't going to hire you anyway. But if all of your accumulated wisdom and expertise can somehow be condensed into a hundred to 150 page book. You're not that much of an expert. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, most of the people that I know have forgotten more than we could put in a book. Right. Now let's talk about books for a minute. My, my Kindle is full of, full of, of business books that I've read the first, I don't know, 20 or 30 pages then realize like, Oh, it's just one idea split into 14 parts and they're going to say the same thing over and over and over again. And my, my audible is full of stuff that I've listened to for two hours while I'm out walking the dog and realize I'm never going back to that again, because it's just one idea said again and again and again. How do you make a, a, an expertise based book that's really good. And that's, that's sort of worth engaging with and, and worth finishing is it is it is it full of of checklists and do this don't do that or is it much more about think about your set of problems this way not that way what 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 are the pieces that are really compelling so i i think the first thing to do is write a short book so a typical trade paperback is going to be about 250 or 300 pages all right that's what the publishing world wants to see because that's what they can sell but if your goal is to use that book to transform someone's thinking, to either align their beliefs with what you think they need to believe to be able to help them, or to instill some beliefs that maybe they don't yet have. I mean, it's really the whole job of a book, you know, the reason it exists, at least in nonfiction, is to persuade someone. And if that's the goal, then we probably don't need 300 pages to do it. We probably are putting in a lot of stuff that's going to bore them to tears. So I think the first thing is write a shorter book, a, a, a shorter and more impactful message 
is going to be welcomed all the time. So I, and I, I tell my clients a story. I have uh, a book and it's probably back here on the bookcase somewhere by a guy named Richard Koch, who wrote all the 80-20 books. And there's a book that most people don't know about that he wrote that's called The Power of 16X, which is like 80-20 of the 80-20. And the book is like 30 pages, but it's a great 30 pages. I refer that book more than most in every other book that I've ever read. And it's only 30 pages, right? Well, that's, that, that's, that's pretty great. So, so I, I think that that's a place to start. And I think you, you asked kind of like, what, how do you focus the content? It really needs to be centered around trying to transform somebody's thinking in a way that's going to benefit them around a problem that they have. Right. Let me ask you, how important is it that the author of a book actually has solved this problem themselves or is it okay to sort of to bring the accumulated wisdom of others into a book sort of in the, the jack canfield's chicken soup for the soul and chicken soup for your business and chicken soup for whatever everything else you can think of or is it is or is that sort of anthology approach just as valid yeah i i, I mean jack's proven it's just as valid right so he's pulled well, for, every... for, you look for Jack. I mean, not everybody's Jack Canfield. Yeah, but he was and, just... And for you younger people, by the way, who don't know who Jack Canfield is, he's this guy who wrote a bazillion books and he's fabulously wealthy. So, and none of the books are, very few of the books are his advice. It's mostly advice from other people that he's put into books. Correct. He's done fairly well with the model. Now, I'm not advocating I, I, I that. Think he's, I think, he, I, I think he's going to make something of himself someday. Yeah. I, I, for I most people, like if we're talking to business owners, so I know you work with a lot of agency owners, probably a lot of agency owners listening. If, if you're an agency owner, then I think you want to be publishing things that kind of codify your idea and your approach to solving your client's problems, because you want the book to go sell the bigger service. You're not going to make any money on the book. So you want the book to be a means of demonstration or of sampling, right? So the deli has this huge sales advantage over most other businesses, because when you go there, they take a slice off of the end of the really delicious ham and they hand it to you and say, would you like to buy some? Try this. It's really hard to do that if you're an agency, if you're a consulting firm, if any kind of service business, it's hard for your clients to sample you without paying you. The book is a way to kind of put that demonstration out front where somebody can experience it in a way, maybe not fully, but they can at least get confidence in you. And it, it's, it's so interesting. I, almost every client that has ever worked with us has an agency horror story. They've been burned, right? Because, because most agencies are terrible. Well, it, it's partly that. And, and, and if, if we're honest about it, most clients don't know how to work with an agency. Oh, 100%, 100%. Right. So if you've got a unique approach and you're able to take that, even if it's not a unique approach, but all you do is you go talk about the approach that everybody takes, but you put your own spin on it. Now you're the, the market leader. Right. You're the one who wrote the book. And most marketers know the story, the Claude Hopkins story of Schlitz beer, where he goes into Schlitz beer and I think it was the thirties and basically took them from number eight in the market to number one in a very short period of time. And basically the way he did it is he took the, all of the manufacturing processes that they had, which were the same ones that were used in every brewery in the United States at the time. And he just put them all into ads. 
Right. He put he brought that content out. Claude Hopkins of scientific advertising fame. Right. We'll put a link to that book in in the in the in the show notes. So right. And so he he basically took something that um was a poorly kept secret and turned it into an advantage. Exactly. Right? And so and so give 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 me that version. What's the poorly kept secret of your business that you that you can turn into an advantage? So in in our business, gosh, probably the the biggest thing is that books take a long time. I mean, that's a big myth that's out there. And and the truth of the matter is that that most successful authors, unless I divide authors into kind of two buckets. I, there's the people who are trying to write a New York Times bestseller. And then there's the rest of the world who's trying to write a book that's going to get them clients. And for the ones that are trying to get them to write the book that's going to get them clients, they think that it is a, a really long process. And the truth of the matter is, if you organize the work in a particular way, that you can write a book in about 30 days and in, in, in about 30 minutes a day in 30 days. And you'll write a great book that will get great clients. Right, so that's that's nine hundred minutes. So what's that? That's thir- thirteen hours to to make a book. Yeah, something like that, right? Somewhere in that minutes. ballpark. Yeah. What's the difference between a book that you're writing to get clients and the New York Times bestseller? And also, by the way, the we should point out that it doesn't take a whole bunch of sales to make the New York Times bestseller list anymore in business books. It's it's like it's like five thousand or something to hit the to hit the the hit the list for one week or something yeah last i heard it was a bit higher than that but it could it could have come but, down yeah but, it's, even more. but like but it's, yeah. it's not like it's not a, it's not a bunch but but so 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 but what's what's the difference in those books so a book that so a book that is is out in the market the way and the way i think about it there's a book that's out in the market that serves its readers and then the second the kind of book that that you help your clients write is the kind of book that serves the author in a, in a, in a, in a way, because the author uses it as a tool rather than setting it off on its own. Yeah. Well, it really needs to do both. If it doesn't serve the reader, then it's not going to be very successful for, sure, for the sure, business right. or for the author. But I mean, to me, the difference between the, the, the two types of books, number one is, is the scope of the audience. Okay. So there are an awful lot of businesses who will benefit greatly from taking their best ideas and packaging them up in a book and they'll maybe a local business. So one of our clients, he's written four books with us. He's a financial advisor here where I live in Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. Now he could write, he could choose to go write a book on retirement planning that he marketed all across the country, but he just doesn't want to. However, those books have made him millions of dollars here in this market. So, so there's a, one, there is a difference in scope, okay, and, and audience size and breadth of topic and all of that. And and two, I think you're going to have you're going to have a different level of sophistication and investment and marketing capability to be able to get to the even at five thousand, even to get. I mean, I with my first book, we sold close to six thousand in the first week or so, and. I knew what I was doing to get there. It wasn't, you know, yeah. by accident. With most people, they don't have the infrastructure in place to do that. And that and that's okay. That shouldn't that shouldn't discourage them from 
putting a book to work for them in their market to help educate their prospects, to help serve their prospects, because they'll still make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars off of it. Sometimes they'll make more than the, the New York Times bestseller guy sure. or gal, you know, who just wants to then go speak at the end of, of getting that book published. So they're just, to me, they're just different animals they are created for different purposes. And, a, and as a result, they're, they're put together differently. Okay. So, so let's, let's imagine I've jumped in and I have diligently worked because I'm an overachiever working 32 minutes a day for 32 days. And so I've got this amazing book. What do I do with it? Like I've got this book and I can, like, so how do I get people to read it? How, I, how do I turn that into something that creates the engagement that I'm after, which is somebody who might find or buy the book and then think, holy moly, I would love to give you a bunch more money. How does that happen? Well, there are a number of ways to market the book. And as, as we approach it, I'm always looking for what capabilities does the business already have? You know, so uh, by, if, uh, by, by the way, uh, everyone who's listening, you should realize that, that Steve is about to give away ideas and he's not afraid of giving away the store. Like, I don't, I don't think Steve could possibly share too much here. So if we look at sort of the, the, top handful of ways that you would market a book, right? You see these all over the place, right? There's a, you could do an online book funnel where you sell it for free plus shipping. That's one way to do it. You could do a free book funnel where you give it away as a PDF. That's another way to do it. You could post three times a day on LinkedIn that, Hey, I'm a new author and here's my book. That's one way you could use direct mail. There's all kinds of ways you can do it. Okay. I always want to know what are the capabilities of the business? Because if I'm working with a, let's say a successful solo professional attorney or agency owner or financial advisor, somebody like that, solo or small team, and they're not big into digital marketing, I'm probably not going to recommend that they build a funnel. Would it work? Sure. Absolutely. It'll work. Would it work for them? Likelihood is pretty small because they yeah. don't have the capability, right? So usually the first place we start is with referrals and I've got a process. I actually, the book behind me there, Unstoppable Referrals. I wrote our whole process for using a book in, in the generation of referrals. And, and that's usually low hanging fruit because every business we work with has got a network of clients, past clients and partners who really like them. And we'll get really excited about the news that you've written a book. And so you can go to them and you can say, Tim, I just wrote this great book. It's all about how to, how businesses can get more referrals. I know a lot of business owners and I am just super passionate about helping business owners solve this problem. In fact, I'm on a mission to get this into the hands of as many people as I can, as quickly as I can. Would you be open to sitting down and brainstorming together who in your network might really benefit from this new book, I'd love to send them a copy as a gift from you. So that's, that's usually where we stop, start. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. And speaking of, of gifts, so I would be thrilled to give away as five copies of each of those books behind you to my audience. And I'll, of course, I'll buy them from you. So no, I'd that's... love to do it. Actually, I got five right there. We'll just, we'll use those. I got more than All five. Right, if, you, right if, you can just, if you can just like hand them right through the screen, that's perfect. Absolutely. We'll get it out there. But usually that will unlock an awful lot of new opportunity that's laying dormant in your network. So if we mm -hmm. want to talk about, okay, we're not as concerned about becoming a celebrity from the book, but we'd really like to use it to get some great clients 
that's the first and, and fastest way to do it. Now, you can replicate that process again and again and again and again over time. So a lot of the clients will, who will create a book for, that's all they'll ever do is they'll just have that conversation over and over. And you can have it. The great thing about it, the, what's different about that approach to referrals than sort of the typical, so do you know anybody that needs agency work this week? Is that you can go to that well an awful lot. You can go at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. And often what will happen with your best and, and biggest fans, they've wanted to share you before, but they just didn't know how to do it. There wasn't a way that was very easy for them. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that's, I think that's a, that's a, such a great point is, is that this, this package, this book, this thing, it just takes some of the awkwardness away, right? Because because people recommend books and and TV shows all the time, but you know, but when you're right when you're referring somebody, sometimes there's that awkwardness of like, well, I don't know if they're really right for you, or like this person may or may not like this. I don't know this person super well, but are they going to get along? And am I impinging on my friendships or not? But just saying, hey, read this book. That's pretty. That's pretty simple, right? That's a normal social thing. Absolutely, and even if the person they give the book to isn't particularly interested, they're not going to be offended by it. They're not going to be threatened by it, yeah, you no. know, the, and, and they won't feel imposed upon. They're still going to thank the person. Oh, thank you so much for, for thinking of me. So there's, there's zero risk to the client yeah. or the partner that's making that, that share. Yep. And there's actually a big social capital upside because they're sharing a resource and we're sort of all yeah, hardwired right. to do that. Right. So, and what, what if you're somebody who actually would like to make money and not also make money from their book, also sell it, sell the book and sell yourself? Is, is that possible? There are very few people that make that work. So we've worked with in the past, some, some New York Times bestselling authors, and I've had long conversations with them. And, and while they did get a, a nice early bump from royalties from the book, it's, it, it doesn't pay the bills. And right. so I think the way you want to be thinking about using a book is it's the thing on the front end that gets somebody's attention and that establishes your credibility and your differentiation in the market. And then you want to be having other things that, that you sell behind that. So that could be your high-end agency services or consulting or whatever. It could be some other products or group program or whatever that you want to package behind it that fit the topic of the book. There are lots of ways you can monetize it, but it's pretty tough to really make a lot of money unless you've got an enormous audience, uh, particularly with a nonfiction book. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So, so what's the, what's the biggest mistake people make when they're writing a book? Then the misuse of semicolons and apostrophes. So the, there, are, there are two that I see. The first is, never getting it actually launched. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and making it a bigger project than it needs to be. The second is writing a textbook. And I, a client that we've worked, worked with on some strategy years ago, before we started uh, writing books for clients, he had a book and the guy was brilliant. And he wrote this book. It was in, in on a sales topic really, really technical. And it was a fantastic book. It even won awards in the industry that he was targeting, it won two awards. And we put the little, I told him, Hey, put the little award sticker on the cover. 
And this was a thick book. I mean, it was everything you ever wanted to know on the topic. And he was the most frustrated author I have ever known because he struggled and struggled and struggled to get clients from the book because he wrote a textbook on the topic. Instead of trying to persuade someone to think differently about how they approached, in his case, sales, he wrote this really dense textbook that was a great kind of magnum opus, captured all of his expertise, but its audience was probably in like a sales engineering class in college, not a VP in charge of revenue trying to make a decision on who do I bring in to consult. Right. So it was a, it was like a a user manual rather than, uh, rather than a transformational destination thing. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Other than your own, what are your favorite business books? I read a lot of books. They don't have to be your favorite. What about, you know, some notable ones that are the, that are easily accessible. So to that, on the marketing topic, I think everyone should read. This is Marketing by Seth Godin, which is one of his more recent books. Yep. And The Ultimate Marketing Engine by John Jantz, which is brand new as we're recording this. It's been out for maybe a month or two. It's uh, it, it just released maybe within the last month. So here in the fall of of uh, 2021. And, and it's fantastic. And I had an opportunity to interview John on our podcast uh, about the book. And it really is, if you've read any of his other stuff, duct tape marketing and the referral engine and all that kind of stuff, he's really kind of now distilled 25 or 30 years of working with businesses on marketing in, in, into a very clear, easy to understand system. So those are two that I would absolutely recommend. That's that's great. That's great. There, there, there are so many books. Like I think Russell Brunson from ClickFunnels is, is maybe like the king of this. I mean, I, I know I've actually, I actually got, I actually, I actually got his, his, his last one through some sort of like free ship, free with shipping funnel. And the guy writes a super compelling book because it's, it's so high energy and so kind of romantic, but not everybody has got Russell Brunson's gift of gab, right? Not everyone's got that sort of, that sort of that direct marketer. This is going to be awesome kind of, of way of, way of speaking, how do you help your authors create books that are terribly boring? It's hard sometimes. We're, yeah. we're in the process of uh, writing a book for a client about the Roth IRA. I mean, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to fall asleep, but I did. Yes. All right. Now, it's going to work incredibly well for him. And for anybody that gets their hands on the book, it's going to make them a lot of money. And part of that's part of what we do with a business owner who might not know, hey, what's, I do this every day, but what really makes it exciting for people? And so we'll come in and help them find that hook and make it compelling. And, and really the way that you do that is you, you start by connecting with that ideal client that you want and get inside their head and figure out what it is that they want, because people will always read about things that solve problems that they're worried about and that help them get the things that they truly want. Where you have a problem with a book that's too boring is it's on a topic like Roth IRA and all it does is talk about Roth IRAs. It doesn't connect to the thing that the prospect actually wants. So here's two questions. So one is you're writing, you advocate writing for a person, not 
an audience, right? You're not writing for business people, but rather you're writing for the for the the plumbers in Northeast Pennsylvania, right? And that's sort of what you're thinking that you're you know you're writing a very targeted book that doesn't have to have wide market appeal, but it has to have impact. Correct. And is is location important to that? Because there are so many people in the agency world who think like I got to pick a niche, right? Because you know that because that's so I can become the the go-to authority in that niche. And and that's in the way that I think about it, that's that's more fiction than fact. Like the best reason to pick a niche is you just have to learn less stuff. Like right. you get better at your stuff. But but anyways, so so is location important or is it just knowing the audience? You mean like geographic proximity? Yeah. It de- so I'm gonna give you the best consultant answer ever. It depends. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, wait, the book much, should. So, wait, do I have to write you a bigger check now? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Add a zero. Option. Add a zero. Right, you just gave me option. Yeah. So the thing with the book is it, it should be in service of your existing business. So if your business model is I'm going to serve a local community and I'll work with the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker. I don't care. I don't have a niche, but my niche is geographic, not demographic. Okay, fine. So you, you write the book for that local community and you don't have to brand it to that local community. You could be pretty compelling, yeah. particularly if there's something unique about your approach to local marketing. You, you certainly could do that, or you could just write a general topic book and use it locally. And you'll be the only guy in town that wrote the book. So my, my client uh, has been working with us now for a decade. We've written four books for him. He's a financial advisor. If you want to talk about a commoditized profession, just here in, I, I live in Tallahassee, Florida, it's the state capital. We've only got about maybe 200,000 residents total, like population. We've probably got a couple thousand financial advisors, if I had to guess. Okay. But he's the one who wrote the book. He's the only one that I'm aware of out of that group in the market that has written a book, much less four. So, so that's, you can use it like that geographically. Now taking him as an example, the other thing that he's done is that he has, he, he wrote the first book, which was sort of the general book that he used in the local community. And then he said, I've got three main markets. So one of his markets is people who are state employees who are part of the state retirement system. There's some special things he can do for them, right? So if you're an agency, there might be a specific type of industry that you have a concentration in. So we took the main book and we added a chapter specifically for those people. And we made a few edits in the book to make it more specific to that group of people. Yeah. slapped a new cover on it, put their name in the title. And now that's the book for them. Right. But, that's So that's, now that's pe- people yeah. walk into his office with dog-eared copies of it, bookmarked and highlighted saying, I got to talk to you. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's brilliant. All right. I have one more question before we got to go. So how do you help your clients get over the imposter syndrome? Like, uh, like the idea that I could write a book you know, not me, because I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure I could, but, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, others, like, what am I going to, like, how can, why am I the authority here? Like, I just run an agency, or I'm just a financial advisor. I'm not anything special. How do you, how do you help your clients deal with that? Well, I'll be perfectly honest, we really don't, because the people that come to us have already self-selected. They already oh, right. believe they, 
they already believe they have something to say. All right. Okay. So and what I will say to the people who are thinking that is if if you've been doing what you're doing and you're successful at it and your clients are getting good results, then you're a damn expert. Own it. There you go. There you, you, go. you are. Okay. And right. so you're either going to use your expertise to go get the next batch of clients and the next group of people that you're going to help, or you're going to keep it under a rock and that serves no one. It doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve the people out there who need you. Right. So people throw off your rocks, just get rid of them. Let your, let your brilliance shine. So, so since we're right up at time here, Steve, if, if someone wanted to learn more about leveraging your skills and your process, how would they get in touch with you? So our website is at unstoppableceo.net. And what we'll do is we'll create a page just for, for your folks. So we'll set it up at unstoppableceo.net slash Kilroy. And I'll tell you what, I know you want to give away five copies of each of the book. We can do that hard copy, but for anybody who doesn't get lucky enough to do that, we'll give away a copy of my latest book, which is called Podcast Prospecting, which is ta talks about how we use a book and a podcast together to kind of create an endless supply of referrals. And we'll give away an ebook. How clever on that, that you page. are on a podcast right now. Isn't that crazy? Wow. It's like you're eating your own dog food. That's crazy. All right. Hey, Steve, this has been a totally fantastic conversation. Everybody's Steve Gordon at unstoppableceo.net. I hope you check him out and, and I hope you win one of the books. Have a great day. Hey, it's Tim. Thanks for tuning into the Kilroy Report. Your support means a lot. If you liked this episode, hated this episode, whatever, please leave your feedback at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you do that sort of thing. And if you're one of the brilliant people who love this, think about subscribing. It'll do you good.